Uh, it's good to be with you all tonight as we continue in worship. Uh, our passage uh, tonight is Proverbs 21, verse 21, uh, for the sake of our time. And it reads this way, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Brothers and sisters, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, even now as we uh, uh, hear from your word. God, I pray that you would uh, change our hearts and minds to consider the ways you have called us to live. Uh, God, let me decrease so that you may increase in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? Everyone, if we're honest, we're on a pursuit of some kind. We have set goals. We have put plans in place in order to accomplish a task, regardless of of how great or how small. Many of us are pursuing something. Uh, My favorite people in in all of the world uh, know this all too well. Uh, My favorite people are mountain climbers. Although I'm not a mountain climber, I've never climbed a mountain. I don't uh, want to ever climb a mountain, but I'm fascinated uh, by these men and women who, who like to, to climb mountains. Uh, but, but they know what it means to be on pursuit, uh, specifically those who set out to climb uh, one of the hardest mountains to climb in all the world, the K2 Summit. The K2 uh, is a mountain that is stationed in between Pakistan and China. And peaks at around 28,251 feet. And uh, this mountain has the nickname the Savage Mountain because it's the hardest mountain to climb in all of the world. Although it's not the tallest mountain in all the world, we know that is Mount Everest. The climbing community sees this this mountain, the K2, as the the hardest to climb specifically in the wintertime. Uh, they, they don't want to climb it in the summer. They don't want to do it in the fall. They want to wait to the winter when, when the conditions are at its worst, when it's more difficult to climb is what makes this uh, something that climbers who uh, seek out to, to climb this mountain, they, they want to do it in the winter. They want to uh, try to live a life and get on that short list of individuals at all our time on this earth who have made it all the way up to the top and have made it down successfully. You may be asking, what, what's the motivation for these climbers to, to try to hit this peak, to try to go where uh, many people have, have tried to do, but they have not been able to reach the top. Many have lost their lives trying uh, to make it to the top of this mountain. And uh, they, they would say that it's pretty simple. Uh, it, it's all about life and honor. Uh, trying to figure out what life and honor would be for them if they would be successful to to make it through the harsh winter conditions where uh, the temperatures could be uh, at its best, negative 65 degrees as they are uh, making their way up this mountain. Uh, The the, the conditions are so bad that uh, if their glove would fall off of their hand within minutes, uh, their hands would, would, would suffer from being frostbitten. And, and if their skin would touch anything that was metal, uh, uh, their hand and their skin would, would tear off because the conditions are so bad. And they also know the risk of their lives is, is 
2008, there were some 11 individuals who tried to make this climb. They were killed by way of an avalanche. But, but for these climbers, it's all about life and honor. How would I be remembered? How, how would I go down in history for being one of the few who would make it up this mountain? The documentaries of my accomplishments and everything else that comes along with life and honor. And how would I be remembered? K2 climbers are not uh, the first to wrestle with this ideal of uh, trying to find life and honor in the things in this life. That all of us, if we're honest, we, we have this desire to, to find honor and life in this world. Uh, the, the Wright brothers would think about life and honor as they try to figure out how to get a plane to fly successfully in the air. And the United States says they would try to venture off to the moon thinking of Life and honor, what would this mean for our nation and for our country? Uh, even in the music world, the great Muddy Waters, who, who, who made the blues popular, made the blues famous, he, he would think about life and honor as he would start this new musical tradition, uh, this musical tradition to make it mainstream. And the list goes on and on. But life and honor is something that all of us are thinking about, these accomplishments, in order to find life and meaning in this life. But not only uh, the Wright brothers and and these K2 climbers, the disciples, they even wrestle with this. You probably remember the story. uh, The disciples are hanging out with Jesus as he's getting closer to the cross. And and just randomly, the question comes out, Lord, Lord, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? Uh, What what is going to take to be the greatest in the kingdom? They, They struggled. They wrestled with life and meaning and trying to figure out what fulfillment they would get in this life. And I'm grateful for our text tonight that Solomon providentially writes to us from his experience of trying to find meaning and life and honor in everything under the sun. And for our text tonight, he narrows it down to two things. He says, you know what, if you want to find life and meaning, he says, if you follow these virtues, if you run after these virtues of righteousness and kindness... He says, you will find life and and meaning in this life. He says, look, all the wealth that I had, all of the the things that I have amassed, he says, pursuing righteousness and kindness was more valuable. Solomon says, look, I've had more pleasures at my disposal. I've been able to do everything that I wanted to do, but, but I could never imagine uh, finding life and meaning and purpose the way that it is As I chased after righteousness and kindness, he found it more satisfying. He he tells us that that these things are important because the one who pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. We've been in a series in in Proverbs, and many of you have been on this journey with us. But if you're news, uh, Proverbs does not uh, read in the same way as other uh, books of the Bible. Uh, he, he doesn't follow one uh, theological point. He kind of get nuggets of wisdom as we have been going alone. We uh, would get in Proverbs chapter one, he would sit and as he's teaching the children of Israel uh, about what to do, how to navigate life, he would say something uh, like, you know what? The, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding and, and wisdom. But then chapters later, he would say, you know what? Make sure you don't find a quarrelsome spouse. 
Uh, it, it goes up and down. The, the, the information that he is given is almost as if uh, he's just sitting in a crowd uh, talking to people in the same way that I remember growing up in the barbershops. You, uh, you would go to the barbershop, the black barbershop, and you'd be there for two or three hours. And in that two or three hours, whoever the sage in the room would, would, would start off by talking about the importance of family. And they would go from talking about the importance to family to debating sports. And they knew everything about sports and what the coaches should do. And, and they would go from family to sports to, to politics. And they would tell you how you need to vote and, and what you need to do. This, this sage would just kind of throw wisdom nuggets around, uh, not, not having a, a stream of consciousness, but just whatever was coming on his mind to try to help those who were in the barbershop. This is what Solomon is doing as we are reading through Proverbs. He's, he's given us these practical nuggets, these, these nuggets that will help us as we are living out our theology to help us to navigate situations. And so here it is on this journey as he's trying to help the next generation to succeed in life. He says, look, follow these two things, chase after these two things and you will find life, righteousness and honor. So the two things he tells us to pursue, the first one is righteousness. He says, pursue righteousness. Righteousness is living in alignment with the moral principles that God has established. Kindness is uh, the action of love and compassion and selflessness. Righteousness is doing what is right, seeking justice, living a life of honesty and integrity in every area of your life. Kindness is being what is right, being selfless, being compassionate, being thoughtful. It's, it's having a spirit of helpfulness. Solomon says, pursue this, chase after this, run after this, and life will be good. Think about it. If all the disciples in our city, if we would, would truly chase after righteousness and kindness, uh, these, these virtues that have huge implications. Think about how our city would be different. That if we chase after a righteousness and kindness, that our city and our world could be radically changed for the glory of God by the way we display our love for all of those who are in our community. That if we chase after righteousness, which is justice, doing what is right for people, being compassionate all the time and not being hard-hearted, it would really change the scope of our city and our world. Solomon says, chase after this in the same way Olympic runners are chasing for that goal of getting across the finish line. He says, chase after integrity and compassion the way that Liam Nelson chased after his daughter and her abductors in the movie Taken. I'm sure many of you have seen that movie by now that he used everything, all of his resources, all of his energy to find his daughter who had been kidnapped and was in another country. He used everything possible, all of his energy, all of his life to find his daughter. Solomon says, chase after, run after righteousness and kindness. So the first point, righteousness, as we said earlier, is living after God's moral standards and doing what is right. This ideal of, of, of running after righteousness is hard for many of us who, who have been in this Christian journey for some time because on, on the one hand, it sounds great to pursue righteousness. God wants us to, to live righteous and to, to live holy. But on the other hand, we realize that any righteousness that we have on our best day is still 
a filthy rag before the Lord. We, we can live righteously, but we know that Paul has told us over and over again that, that look, that we cannot achieve righteousness on our own. However, Solomon gives us this Old Testament absolute in the Hebrew language, which is similar to what we know in the New Testament as a command. He says to chase after these things. Now, what he doesn't say is to, to master righteousness and kindness. He, he doesn't say that you will achieve righteousness and, and kindness. He says, but chase after it because righteousness and kindness is something we will never, ever master. We will never fully be righteous as we need to be as we're living this life. But yet we still strive. We still uh, make the effort to go after these things in order uh, to make life well for those who are around us. Jesus would have this in mind as well as he would preach his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. We know the section in our Bibles in Matthew chapter five as the Beatitudes. Matthew five and six, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus calls us to chase after this or in his words to hunger and thirst after righteousness. As his followers, we are to seek after what is right, what is just Because if we seek after it, we will become more like him. When I think think about being more like him and seeking after uh, righteousness, it reminds me of uh, the story uh, of a PGA great, Phil Mickelson. I know that many of you have mixed emotions about Phil Mickelson at this time due to uh, some some, uh, decisions that he made. But but Phil Mickelson, his story of uh, becoming a great golfer is one that is very interesting. Uh, it is said that Phil Mickelson, as he would, was a kid, he would go out to the golf course with his father. Uh, his father being a, a right-handed golfer, his, his son, Phil, would, would stand in front of him and, and just mimic his swing as he would be out on the golf course. He would mimic. Every day they would go out there, he would, would mimic this swing as his father is swinging uh, from the right-hand side. Phil is looking at him in, in terms of a mirror, and he is doing the same thing with the left hand. That Phil Milkinson, who is naturally a right-handed person, he uh, began to learn how to play golf left-handed because he was looking dead at his father. He was looking at the swing. He was mimicking the swing. He was pursuing this swing that his father had. And likewise, as we are pursuing after righteousness, as we are pursuing the things that God has called us to do, as we do this, we become more like him in our efforts to be righteous and to do just things in this life. So he says, um, pursue righteousness uh, to pursue this thing. I, I, I love being here at second. I know I've only been here, uh, not, not, not been a year yet, but I feel like I've been here for some time. And one of the reasons I love being here is how the members take action uh, on the causes that, that we have in our society. They, they, they take action to the things that we have in our city. Our church as a whole collectively supports Many organizations who exist to make Christ known in unique ways that blesses our city and people's lives. We all have issues that burden our hearts about our city and about our community. And and these burdens give us as individuals these opportunities to pursue righteousness, to bring about positive change around us. The question on the table is what are some righteous efforts that you can pursue? 
What are some things that are burdening your heart that you see happening to that you're reading about in the newspaper that you see on the news that burdens you? And how can you pursue some righteous effort in order to make things better for your community? He says to pursue righteousness, but he also says to pursue kindness. Kindness or love is a is a great virtue that we all can show on a daily basis. Kindness is powerful. Kindness is transformative because it actively affects other people. Uh, Kindness is almost like altruism where it's this uh, selfless regard for the well-being of others. Uh, Coffee lovers know this all too well. Um, uh, Many, many years ago, before I started drinking local coffee, I would sit in line of uh, one of my favorite coffee shops at the time. And I I remember experiencing the the pay-it-forward uh, a movement on some day of kindness, uh, I'm sitting in my car and I, I get up to uh, to pay for for my coffee. And the the the, the, bar, the barista told me that you know the person in front of you have already paid for your coffee. And I I got excited. I I had never experienced such great kindness before in my life. The uh, the fact that someone would pay for my quad long shot grande in a venti double cup, no sleeve. Caramel macchiato latte with two pumps of vanilla, two pumps of white mocha, extra hot foam. He paid a pretty penny for that cup <laughs> of coffee. And I, and I messed up because I didn't know that the thing is you're supposed to keep this going until <laughs> infinity and beyond. But the next time I had an opportunity to do it, I, I was able to, to pay it forward. And it, it, it did something to me. It uh, the, the excitement that I felt for having my coffee paid for when I had the opportunity to do it for someone else, it, it, it did something for me. It, it wasn't cheap. The, the person behind me had ordered food and coffee and all types of stuff that shouldn't dare be at a coffee shop. But yet I, I did this because I, I wanted to pay it forward. And when we show kindness to people, it, it brings joy, not only to those who are the recipients, but for the individuals who are doing these acts of kindness, it, it gives you a new meaning. It gives you a new lease on life. Um, I remember for Lynn, I gave up being angry uh, as a driver. Uh, usually if when I'm driving and people are, are cutting me off, I, I would get angry. And so uh, for the sake of my kids and for the sake of uh, high blood pressure. I, I say, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do any gestures when people cut me off on the expressway. I did it for a week and I said, you know what? I, I can try to do this in other areas of my life as well. And so I started doing things where I would see someone on the side of the road that had a flat tire. I, I would get out in my car uh, during this season. And I know the dangers that uh, could, could come about with it, but I, I would help change tires for individuals. Once one time somebody was in this lot and, and they needed their, their, their tire changed. I, I did certain things and it, it just got infectious where I was able to, to do acts of kindness for individuals. I, I remember one lady, she, she tracked me down. She uh, was the first time at this restaurant. Uh, she didn't know how to do the order uh, for these salads. And so I um, you know, showed her how to do it. I, I snuck, paid for it, ran out the door. And weeks later, I get a phone call here a second because someone had tipped off who had done this thing. And, and we talked and it, it was just something about doing these acts of kindness that, that brought joy to my life. Health experts say that being kind affects you in, in different ways. It reduces stress. It, it increases life satisfaction, different physical benefits that come along with it. Being kind and showing love is a great virtue to pursue, uh, to bring about positive transformation in our lives. 
As the Beatles says that all you need is love. Now it's easy showing kindness when the atmosphere is, is easy to do so. It'd be easy for me to show kindness to individuals that are in this room. Uh, but, but what about in moments of, of difficulty? What, what about those dark moments when, when, when the surroundings are not so favorable? How can I display, how can you and I display love and kindness on the backdrop of chaos and despair? I think what Solomon and what Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount were, was getting at. Like, like, what do I do when there's turbulence? How do I show kindness? How do I do this? Dr. Martin Luther King said that the true measure of a man is not how he believes in moments of comfort, how he behaves in moments of comfort, but, uh, but how he stands in times of controversy and challenges. That, that moments of controversy are times that we need kindness and love on display. And I realize as a nation, we've gone through a lot. I remember the kindness and, and love that was displayed after 9-11 being a college student, just seeing how people rallied together uh, to love on one another. I had never seen anything like that before in my young life of no matter what side of the tracks you were on, that there was this general love for one another. When natural disasters hit certain towns, the, the love that is displayed when people would, would come from out of town to help rebuild and repair what had been destroyed, these acts of kindness. But dare I tell you that there are daily moments where people are going through chaos. Uh, they're, they're going through destruction in their lives that they need our kindness to help them to see God in a different way. That they, on the backdrop of chaos, that we're able to show kindness to individuals, to, to help them to do good and to keep moving on. My, my middle son, Dylan, did this. He, he's a good student, good athlete. And so at the school he's, he goes to that, if you're a good student, good athlete, you, you probably won't get picked on, probably won't get bullied. You, you probably are pretty popular, and so he was. But this year, he decided to do something different. He noticed on the basketball court at, at recess, all the guys who, who play basketball, uh, I guess, professionally as a, as a kid, whatever that means, AAU and all those things, kids who had, had been playing, all of them had been playing on the teams. He, he realized that the, the smaller kids who were not as athletic, who were not as skillful, they were uh, being treated a different way, that the, the rules were changing and it wasn't in their favor. So he, he decides, you know what, I'm going to leave, uh, you know, my team uh, who, who I've been playing with. He goes on the side of the team of, of these kids, individuals who, who couldn't play, wasn't really good and um, had no self-esteem. And, and, and throughout the course of this year, he uh, was able to, to kind of receive some of the blows of, uh, of what it meant to not be so good. And he, he was upset by this. He, he didn't understand why these kids, even though they were smaller, that even though they were in the same grade, that they were treated differently from these other individuals. He, he, he felt what it, what, it, what it was like to, to not have anyone advocating for you. And he advocated throughout the year for, on this little game of basketball on the blacktop, raised the level of the kids that were around him and, and kind of put a, a stop to these kids being uh, bullied for their lack of athleticism. That's what it looks like to, to use your life, to be kind to someone else, to, to stand in the gap, to help to give the love of God to someone else, the joy of being kind. With all the challenges in our city, we had more people who modeled biblical kindness for something or for someone, man, our, our city would be in a much better place. The people who we were passionate about, if we would show them kindness. If we 
sacrificed our time in some way or another to serve other people. It would help our educational systems. It it would help with our crime issues. It would help with those who have families that, that have been broken. If we show biblical kindness, it would really go a long way of glorifying God. Why, why do this? Why show this kindness? Well, we, we see this in, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter two tells us that even though uh, he was the same as God, the father, he did not account equality with God, something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed a name that is above every name. Jesus modeled what it means to be kind that while we were walking in darkness, he he came and gave his life so that we could have life abundantly. That's a kind God. That is a great God. And we are able to display this kindness and display this love to other people on a daily basis. We can do this. We can practice being kind. So as we round third head for home, he says to pursue righteousness, to pursue kindness. And if you do this, you, you get these three things, life, righteousness, and honor. He says, look, if you pursue after kindness and righteousness, uh, you're going to have a fulfilling life. It's not going to be a perfect one. That is, you pursue righteousness, uh, that, that God will give you his in, imputed righteousness, one that we cannot earn, one that he gives us because of his loving grace on our lives. And the honor that we will receive is honor that we will have now, but also when we get to heaven, the honor that he would bestow upon us for being faithful all the way unto death. This life, righteousness, and honor is something that I thought about as I watched the movie Elvis. I, I was sad. Many of us, we know the story of Elvis. We have seen uh, the, the, the greatness of Elvis. We uh, hear his music. We, we see him, uh, his house, everything on Elvis Presley Boulevard. But as, as I watched the movie, I was fascinated. All the great things that he did, all the music that he had made, all the lives that uh, were changed, all the wealth that he had accumulated, all the things he had. Uh, there was this one scene where he is, is talking to Priscilla. He's about to head on another tour. And he looked at her and he says, you know, out of everything that I've done, all the music, all the movies, he says, when I turn 40, no one is ever going to remember me. And, and as he said this, and if this was a true account, he, he, he looked and he looked very sad. He was depressed as Priscilla was checking on him. She, she noticed he wasn't doing well. He wasn't looking good physically, mentally. He was not in place. But he says, when I turned 40 years old, because of the way the music industry was changing, the way that everything was changing, he says, no one is going to remember who I am. That, that feeling that everything he was running after, everything that he was pursuing, it meant nothing. The things in his life that are fleeting. What that reminds us is that, look, we, we can pursue things in this life, but they will not bring us satisfaction. You can pursue wealth. You can pursue a great name. You can pursue all these things. But if you're not pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness, at the end, you'll be left empty. You will not have the satisfaction that is needed for you to have lived a good life. His pursuits left him empty. 
But if we pursue kindness, if we pursue righteousness, God will give us life, honor, and righteousness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And thank you for this great charge you've given us to pursue righteousness and pursue kindness, these virtues that could help change our lives, but also the lives of people around us. So I pray that as we think of ways of uh, we can pursue righteousness in certain causes in our city, as we can pursue kindness on individuals who we love and uh, that we can show God's love and kindness on them. God, I, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, allow us to live in a new way because you modeled this for us and the table that we're about to take reminds us of your love and kindness for us, your, your, your hesed love, your unconditional, unchanging love for us. You died in our place and for our sin. God, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.